Welcome to Brain Talk, a podcast about the latest thinking and research in neurology with a specific focus on epilepsy and other seizure-like disorders. The audio used in today's episode comes from an authorized recording of Stratus's live physician webinar featuring Dr. Gretchen von Allman and her presentation on Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, or LGS. This podcast does not include any of the visual elements that were presented and referred to throughout the webinar. To view the full video recording, you can visit our website at www.stratusneuro.com. Let's take a listen as Dr. Vaud Allman provides an overview of LGS and discusses some of the diagnostic criteria, etiology, and interictal EEG findings in LGS. Much, and hello everybody. Um, so we'll go ahead and and get going, and uh, we'll we'll try to kind of cover all the different aspects of Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, um, and then talk about some treatments as well, and we'll present some cases too. So my disclosures are that I'm on the Greenwich Biosciences Speakers Bureau and the Medical Advisory Board for Stratus. Uh, And so what we're going to talk about today uh, is Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which is uh, an epilepsy syndrome. We'll talk about the interictal EEG findings, uh, as well as the seizure types and ictal patterns that you might see in Lennox-Gastaut, the etiology treatment, uh, and also the evaluation and other surgical options uh, that that we can use to to treat this syndrome. And then we'll go through a few case examples if we have time. So... Lennox-Gastaut syndrome occurs in two per 100,000 children annually, and it accounts for one to 4% of all cases of childhood epilepsy. So even though that seems like a small amount um, with all the different types of epilepsy out there, uh, you're going to definitely see Lennox-Gastaut syndrome if you're doing EEGs in children and in adults as well. And the percentage of institutionalized patients who have intellectual impairment, who are diagnosed with Lennox-Gastaut syndrome or who have Lennox-Gastaut syndrome is probably at least 16%. So a lot of older teenagers and adults uh, who have major disabilities and have to live in institutions are gonna have this type of epilepsy. What is Lennox-Gastaut syndrome? It's a syndrome means that you have a combination of different features to make the diagnosis. It's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just one cause or etiology. Uh, It's really a description of findings that include clinical findings as well as EEG findings. So the kind of the big picture of the patient uh, is how you come up with the syndrome diagnosis. And really what Lennox-Gastaut syndrome consists of is a triad of multiple seizure types. So multiple different types of seizures in the same patient and cognitive impairment or developmental delays as a child and also certain abnormal EEG patterns. The presentation for Lennox-Gastaut is usually in childhood and anywhere from two years old to eight years old. Uh, Before that, they're too young for the diagnosis, even though they may already have epilepsy before two years old. 
but the peak onset for Lennox-Gastaut syndrome is between three and five years old. That being said, because of some of the overlap with other types of epilepsy syndromes in childhood, and because there are a few different components that make it sometimes a little bit complicated for people to get a diagnosis, it often takes much longer than that for the patient to actually be diagnosed with this syndrome. So even though the seizures will start between three and five years old, where you can identify the syndrome, it may take much longer for them to actually have that diagnosis. Up to a third of the patients with Lennox-Gastaut will have normal development before seizure onset. That leaves the other two-thirds, and of the other two-thirds, around a third of them have infantile spasms prior to Lennox-Gastaut. So Lennox-Gastaut is what we call an epileptic encephalopathy, meaning it's epilepsy, but also it's more than just the seizures. There's also a lot of brain function abnormalities that go along with that that, that we call encephalopathy. Um, and in children, that manifests as problems with development, cognitive issues, uh, and you know some some delays, whether in terms of social development or cognitive development, language development, motor development. Uh, and because of that, you know, there's there's a, a, a developmental window that this occurs in, and you can see that in the age of onset between two and eight. So it, it seems confusing that the child could already have epilepsy and already have had seizures before two years old and before the Lennox-Gastaut diagnosis, but because children are constantly developing and changing from birth onwards in terms of their brain development, that means that there are these developmental windows where certain types of epilepsy manifests itself uh, in the brain. And so earlier than two years old, if children have a certain type of seizure that is described as an infantile spasm, then um, they often go on to develop Lennox-Gastaut as they get older. Um, but those, those two diagnoses and two types of epilepsy just occur at different developmental windows, and that's why they're called different things. Obviously, if it's one child who's having infantile spasms and then Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, it's probably due to the same reason um, in terms of what's going on with their brain that has caused the epilepsy that's caused both those different types of epilepsy syndromes to occur. But so a lot of children who have infantile spasms will go on to develop Lennox-Gastaut and vice versa. A lot of the patients with Lennox-Gastaut, a third of them had infantile spasms as babies. Often in Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, the epilepsy is a lifelong problem, um, but over time and depending on the, their developmental age, the, the seizure types that they have and the EEG findings are gonna change and be different depending on their age and their developmental level. And unfortunately, and the thing that makes Lennox-Gastaut syndrome something that everybody should know about who does EEG and who interprets EEG and takes care of children with epilepsy uh, and adults with epilepsy is that it's often very difficult to control the epilepsy with medications. 
and we call that intractable epilepsy. Um, and really the definition of intractable epilepsy is that the person fails to respond with their seizure control to two or more different anti-epileptic drugs at um, the, the type and the dose that is appropriate for their seizures. So once they failed two medications, then that's when we think of them as intractable to medications. So this is just another way of looking at the, there are certain diagnostic criteria that have been developed to help make diagnosis easier for Linux Gesto and to help differentiate it from the other intractable epilepsies that occur in children. And they've developed these criteria and divided them into major and minor criteria. The major criteria uh, are that there are at least two different types of seizures that the child has. The seizure onset occurs before age of 12 and the EEG has at some point in the child's life or in, the, in this person's life, generalized slow spike and wave discharges with a frequency of less than 2.5 Hertz. So that being said, you know, this is something that's a history. So sometimes you look at that person's EEG and depending on their age and at what point they are in, you know, in their epilepsy syndrome, they may have a slow spike and wave pattern that you can see in the EEG or they may not. And sometimes as these children who have Linux Gesto grow into teenagers and adults, that slow spike and wave pattern disappears or goes away and is replaced by other EEG abnormalities. And so really the criteria means that at some point in that person's life, their EEG has shown slow spike and slow wave discharges. And then the other major criteria is cognitive impairment that has started in childhood. The minor criteria, so these are just kind of additional clues that might help you make the diagnosis of Linux Gesto. Um, and in a way, these are really more helpful in older children and adults who've maybe come from a, a different medical background and they're being seen for the first time as older children or adults. And these are just things in their history that can help you realize the diagnosis that they really actually have Linux Gesto syndrome. And those minor criteria are persistent seizures despite two or more anticonvulsant medications. So they have intractable epilepsy. They have a history of being treated with the types of things that are often used in patients with intractable epilepsy, uh, including the vagal nerve stimulator, ketogenic diet, or have had epilepsy surgery. They can have a history of helmet use for seizures. And usually when a helmet is, is worn for seizures, it's because the patient is suffering from drop seizures where they fall and then injure their head or their face. Uh, and so that's why the helmet is, is worn. So it just is really more of a, of a historical clue that this patient probably has had drop seizures or has drop seizures, and that's why they have a helmet. And there can also be a history of other EEG abnormalities um, because like we said, you know, there, there's been a, there can be a change in the EEG findings over time and as the, the brain develops and changes from childhood to adulthood. 
So I think one of the things that's most difficult for people learning about this type of epilepsy and childhood epilepsies in general is that when you have a syndrome like Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, it's really a description of the problem and it's not defining the cause. So the things that these patients have in common when they have Lennox-Gastaut is the manifestation of a variety of different brain abnormalities that cause the same multiple seizure types, cognitive delays and delayed development, and um, you know the, the other EEG findings that we have. So the causes of Lennox-Gastaut syndrome are varied and it can be a genetic mutation or a genetic syndrome that causes the epilepsy and the developmental delays and thus the Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. It can be a structural abnormality that's focal or diffuse. So brain malformations, so things that have caused abnormalities in the way the brain develops, uh, including genetic brain malformations like tuberous sclerosis complex uh, can cause Lennox-Gastaut. It can be you know, a focal cortical dysplasia or a focal brain abnormality in development um, that's happened at before the time of birth during you know, prenatal development of the brain that causes a focal change in the brain structure or even a regional strange in the change in the brain structure. HIE, which is high, uh, hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, and that's a lack of oxygen at the time of birth uh, that causes a certain type of brain injury. Um, stroke, uh, and usually that stroke that would occur at around the time of birth or even before birth, uh, during infancy or early childhood, trauma, uh, including non-accidental trauma um, or you know car accidents, all kinds of things that that impact the the brain uh, and cause injury in early brain development uh, can cause Lennox-Gastaut and a tumor, you know, of, of, of the type that is congenital or something that has started to grow early in life uh, can result in Lennox-Gastaut and also infection of the brain, including meningitis, encephalitis, um, a variety of other things that impact brain development early on can result in, in the findings that we see in Lennox-Gastaut. So let's talk about some of the findings that we see on the EEG. So the really the kind of the bread and butter of Lennox-Gastaut EEG findings is the slow spike and slow wave pattern or the slow spike wave pattern. And this can be a generalized pattern. Most of the time there is some generalized component to, to this pattern, um, but it can also be hemispheric or regional or it can be something that's kind of multifocal. So you can see it in different regions of the brain or in different electrodes at different times. Um, but the defining characteristic that makes it a slow spike wave is the frequency, which is one to two and a half Hertz. And often this pattern is very confusing to EEG technologists as well as EEG readers uh, in that this pattern is what we call interictal, meaning it is not a seizure pattern. It's, 
it's a finding that happens in between seizures or interictal. And so it's not causing um, obvious seizure activity, um, and, but it can be confusing because it can be rhythmic. Obviously it's one to two and a half Hertz, which is you know often a, a rhythmic pattern. And it can occur in these prolonged runs that last 10, 20, 30 seconds, or even minutes. Um, and that pattern can be confused with a seizure or an ictal pattern. But if you look at the patient, which is why it's great that we have video with EEG most of the time, you can see that the patient is continuing to do their regular activity or continuing to sleep normally, and they don't have any clinical seizure activity going on. So that's, that is one of the ways you know it's an interictal pattern. Um, but also, you know, the fact that you don't have what we would call an evolution of the pattern. So you don't see a, a definite start to the pattern and changes in the frequency and amplitude that kind of evolves over a number of seconds or even minutes. And then you don't see a distinct offset necessarily. You just kind of see something that comes and goes or waxes and wanes in the EEG. And the slow spike wave pattern can be seen during wake as well as sleep. Um, often when the child or the patient goes to sleep, the pattern tends to look more generalized. Um, and, you know, is often more rhythmic, uh, sometimes higher in amplitude as well. The other um, kind of key or characteristic interictal findings, finding for Lennox Gastaut is that they're slowing in the EEG. So during wake, the occipital dominant rhythm can be normal, but is usually slow, slower than you would expect for that age. And you often have some intermittent overlying slowing that can be theta or delta frequency and is usually not, it can be rhythmic, but it's usually more arrhythmic or semi-rhythmic. And the slowing can be regional or multifocal or generalized. And you can see different types of slowing at different times in the EEG, depending on when you're looking at the patient. The other, um, findings that are characteristic for Linux gastaut on the EEG are polyspike bursts. So those are often generalized high amplitude bursts of polyspike activity. And they're often followed by a brief electrodecrement. So, and I'll show you an example of that in, in the next slides. But the, the polyspike bursts and electrodecrements in sleep, they often occur together as, as kind of a, um, a polyspike burst electrodecrement. And um, once you've seen it, you know, it's, it's very easy to pick up that pattern and recognize it. Uh, and when you see that during sleep, it's, it's, it's often a, a good sign that that patient may have Lennox Gastaut. They can also have runs of generalized fast spikes in sleep. And they can also have a variety of other EEG findings such as, um, focal spike and wave activity or multifocal spike, spike and waves um, in various regions. And sometimes they have a consistent focal spike and wave abnormality. In addition to these other, you know, usually, usually these other things have some component of generalization to them. Um, and there are other underlying abnormalities in, 
in in the way of slowing as well that you see. And when you see all these different components together in the same EEG, that's when you think, okay, the EEG findings are consistent with Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. And then in order to really be sure that that's what the patient has, you have to verify that, yes, they have different seizure types. And these are the types of seizures that they have, which are very consistent with a diagnosis of Lennox-Gastaut. And they have some, you know, usually some uh, developmental delay or, or other brain function issues. This podcast was brought to you by Stratus, the leading provider of ambulatory in-home video EEG testing. For more information about Stratus, please visit our website at www.stratusneuro.com.